630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He blitzes right past Marshawn to the net. Dishes. What timer score? Leon Dreisaitl. What a play by McDavid. Dreisaitl's got it back. 10 seconds to play. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The CFL season is underway. Five and a half minutes left in the second quarter in Hamilton. The Tiger Cats leading Saskatchewan 10-7 on the first drive of the game. Saskatchewan quarterback Zach Kalaros took a headshot from Simone Lawrence. Kalaros out of the game. He has had such bad luck with headshots. I've always loved him as a player, but he is out for the Riders. They have Cody Fajardo into the game, who did run in for a touchdown on the penalty-aided first drive of the game for the Riders. Hamilton in control since then, though Saskatchewan now finally moving the ball. They are inside the Hamilton 40. U.S. Open round one, Fowler, Shoffley, Oosthuizen, and Wise in a four-way tie for the lead. They are all five under par. It's at Pebble Beach. We will keep you updated on that one. The St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. Chris Kerber is the play-by-play voice of the team. He'll join us later on this hour with the lowdown on how the Blues made it through a a pretty rocky first half of the season and then became Stanley Cup champions. And he'll uh, let us know a little bit about the mood here in St. Louis leading up to their parade coming up on Saturday. And your Edmonton Eskimos kick off tomorrow. It's on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 countdown to kick off game at 7 as they take on the Montreal Alouettes. A lot going on around this game, including a halftime retirement ceremony for uh, one of the great receivers in Eskimos history, the one and only Fred Stamps, who is live in studio. Fred, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for coming into studio. It's great to see you, and it's great to have you uh, in Edmonton. And I'm, I'm going to jump right in here with a wardrobe selection. And this would usually not be the first <laughs> question for an athlete, but you're wearing a T-shirt with a very prominent and large picture of gremlins on the front. And I thought, that's an interesting selection. So what's behind the gremlin shirt today? Well, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an 80 baby, an 80s baby. And um, this is my son, man, my son, uh, Freddie P. He, he got this for me. So he, he said, Daddy, you got to rock this. I say, okay, I'm definitely going to put it on. So how old's your son now? He's nine. So he picked the gremlin shirt. Yeah. Well, that, this makes perfect sense now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, is he here? Who's who's here from your family? For it, I have my whole family. I have my mother's here, my, my, my wife and my three sons. They here, um, my my mother-in-law, my brother, my father. Um, we have a whole family. Oh, that's awesome! They all came. That's yeah. gonna be so exciting. Now, how many? So, you how old are, are are your kids? And what are, uh, what if anything are their memories of you playing? Well, Freddie P. Um, Freddie P. Remember me playing? Um, but he was a kid. He was a baby. He was like uh, four years old the last time I was in Edmonton. But I have twin boys. They two, and they just. All over the place right now. <laughs> <laughs> Only just see just pictures of Daddy playing football, but tomorrow will be 
at the first time seeing the football field and everything like that. So I'm kind of excited to see how see the reaction on their face. Well, it, it will be uh, when they get a little bit older. Pretty easy for them to go on YouTube or even CFL.ca and watch some some highlights from when you played. So they'll get to know your career pretty quick. Yeah, that, that'll be cool, man. That's awesome, man. Tell me what you've been up to since the last time you played a game in the CFL. So last time I played the game in the CFL, I've been home and uh, me and my wife we had uh we had the twins in uh 2016 and you know they've been keeping us busy just work my wife work um just doing doing the family life you know uh, football life you know football life it was good while it lasted but after football man you have to get you have to get to work man take care of the family what are you doing for work man i do transportation we do transportation pick up uh kids that's this this fortunate you know homeless kids um kids that's in the um foster care and stuff like that and they need to ride to school sometimes they be different places so we we make sure they get a ride to school and take care of them and this is back in louisiana uh back in houston in houston sorry yes. okay all right well that's cool you're doing that and yes. that's something that, that that's you know helping people which which doesn't surprise me doesn't surprise me coming from you um how did you i mean how are you dealing with not being a pro athlete day to day it is a difficult transition for you know you know it was kind of tough um the first couple of years but now you know um it's it's easy now you know i, I come home from work every day uh, have my kids have my family you know that's that's one of the main things that guys got to realize you know there, there's a life after football you know and um you have to really focus on you know those those things and you know because that's what life is about you know family and you know football you only have football just for a little amount of time so you have to take full advantage of the time you have with football so um i was fortunate enough to 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 be an edmonton eskimo and play professional football and i'm very grateful for that and happy you know so that's one of the things that i, I definitely could live on and i could see my kids come up and you know they starting to pick up footballs and stuff like basketballs and stuff like that so they want to play sports so i'm i'm excited to you know see those guys get ready and start to play ball you could have just retired you could have just said hey you know i'm officially retiring and then and, and that's it but you did it with the one day contract with the eskimos and and then you're back for this game why is the tying in the Eskimos to, to make it official important to you? Man, I don't, you know, every, man, I don't know it. Like, when I was in high school, you know, I, I had some really great high school coaches. You know, um, you know, it, like football for me, it was coming in, coming up in New Orleans. It was one of, uh, one of the things that, that kind of kept a young man, you know, away from the things that goes on in the, in the city, uh, a city, inner city life you know it's all over america pretty sure it's in canada all over the place um football kind of saved a lot of guys and i feel like i was one of those guys i came up in a place called uh, desire street ministry down in new orleans and man you know i just fell in love got us through college and once i came out of college man i tried out for the nfl a couple times or whatever but once i got to edmonton it felt like home and when i got here man it's this way it all started off for me. Like, my, my professional career started in Edmonton. How did it feel like home? That's a long way to move physically. And I'm, I'm going to be a little cheeky here, Fred. Yeah. Some Americans don't know that much about Canada. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> so, we just we just finished talking about that because when I first came up, honestly, like, 
Canada, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to the North Pole. <laughs> you know, if there's, like, you know, coming up, it's going to be just freezing cold, snow everywhere. Um, but man, I got up here and it was nice weather. Um, the football, the, the talent wise, you'd be surprised to, to see, like, the guys, man, they, they have guys that could play football in the CFL, you know. And I, I think about my career, I think about the guys that. Came, be, you know, guys came before me, the Jason Tuckers, the Ricky Rays, of course, that I got a chance to play with. But I, across the league, you know, they have guys like S.G. Green, the Nick Lewis, the Chad Owens. Man, those guys, you you sit there, man, those guys make plays. They they football players, and you know, you become a fan of the game. And you know, G. Roy Simons, the I, Milt, I got a chance to see Milt Steagle, you know, and you know, you become a fan of the game. So, being a receiver, you want to compete. It's not that you're a diva. It's not that you selfish or anything like that. Like, you want to compete. You want to catch that football. So what better place to catch the football is in the CFL. You know, this is a receiver's league. This is a, a, a pair of, a, a, I love the game, the, the, the way the game is played. I love the fan base across the board. If you go from Saskatchewan, BC, Winnipeg, you know what I'm saying? Like they have the fan base across the board. So it's like the CFL, man, I tell a lot of guys that's coming out of college just, you know, maybe get down because they didn't get drafted in the NFL. I'm like, man, the CFL is definitely a place where you could go and, and, and make a name for yourself and then you can enjoy playing some football. Fred Stamps joining us on Inside Sports. Have you talked to Ricky since he retired or um, you guys stayed in touch? Yeah, we kind of stay in touch through text or whatever. He retired. Uh, I talked to him uh, a few weeks back, a couple weeks back after he retired, man, and um. You know that guy right there, man. I can't say enough about Ricky, man. I like. I don't know a lot of guys. They don't. They don't. You know, they come in the lead. But I was fortunate to come in the lead to have a guy like Ricky Ray, um, Jason Moss, Jason Tucker. I was telling the guys today on the on the on the um, field, man. I had man. I had Dan Kepley, uh Coach Kep, when I was around, man. Like Gizmo still come around. Like you don't have too many guys that could say that, you know. So. I was just, you know, the Eskimo way, people really don't understand. Like, it's really a, a, a way of living in that way. And you stay focused, man, and um, you bind to the system, man. Like, it's, it's truly a family. And I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm overexcited to be part of that now. All right. Tough one. What's the greatest play you ever made in the CFL? Oh, the greatest play. Um, <laughs> oh, man. There are a few pretty nice catches, some clutch touchdowns. Um... I don't know. Uh, let me see. I'll, okay, I'll give you some time to think. My favorite play that you made uh, was the touchdown to beat Calgary when you guys rallied late, and uh, I think you ran a post. And yeah, that that was that hit you about yeah. fifteen yards deep into the end zone. Oh man, that was a that was a oh my goodness that play, that play that that play kind of that brought chills to that brought chills to to me. Even time every time I think about it, not. My grandmother, she was one of my biggest fans. She had passed in 2017, and um, that was one of her favorite plays. You know, she I remember we right after that play, right after that game, we went home for the bye uh, bye week, and um, I got I got home to go see her and stuff like that. And she was so excited, man. Like that was one of that was that, that was, you could say that was one of my favorite plays. That was one of my favorite that, plays. That was, a, that was a big. That was, def, that was definitely. Um, I mean, to win a game in the final minute. Yeah, that was def, and especially against Calgary. Yes, especially against Calgary. I know Copeland went down and they scored with a, they scored a touchdown with probably like a minute left. That was wild back and forth yeah, in the last and Tristan, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Tristan Jackson got us upfield and. 
you know, Ricky drove the ball, you know, he he gonna he gonna mastermind and, and get down there and he just told me make a play and you know, that's the type of that's the type of quarterbacks I love to play with, man. Guys that give you a chance and have trust trust in you. So that's that's awesome. You were a raging Cajun in university? Most definitely a raging Cajun. Lafayette? Yeah, a raging Cajun. Uh, I was reading this today. I want to make sure it's accurate. You also did track and field and baseball? I did track and field and baseball in high school. I wasn't in, in high school, not yeah, in, in high school, not okay. in college, yes. Uh so what did you do in track? Track I ran a four by one uh I was kind of, I kind of shied away from track a little bit. I wasn't okay. really, um, if I would have took it more serious, I maybe would have, you know, liked it or whatever. Did but you just like team sports better? Yeah, it, it was better. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was almost like our high school coach was like, okay, you get on that, you get on the football field, you got to get on the track field. He was one of those coaches, you okay. know. He always wanted to kind of stay in shape year round, and he had his whole football team out there running track. But we ran the football one. We competed a lot in the football one in the hundred and the two hundred and stuff like that. We just didn't like the long distance running, like the 800 and the 400. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> they tear you up, man. You like the shorter distance. Yeah. What, I, you know, I've seen pictures on social media today. You're meeting some of your ex-teammates. You know, Tucker's now on the coaching staff and, and taking some photos with, with current players as well. What what do you say to the to the current guys, you know, just about where they're at? and um, just Just trust it. Just trust each other. You know, that's 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 the main thing. You know, you have to trust your coaches. You have to trust the guy next to you in your locker room, across from you in the locker room. You have to trust each other and um, be patient. That's one of the things that I would say, be patient, because in the CFL, man, it's, you, you play each other up and down. You know, you're going to play each other a couple of times a, a, a year, and, you know, you're going to beat up on each other throughout the year. But you have to trust each other and, and trust your teammate, your brothers, and you go to war. And that's the type of guys that win championships. That's the type of guys that stick together. You'll see them all all the time, you know. That's the type of uh, relationship that you build, um, chemistry that you build. You know, when a locker room is fun, your team is winning. And that's one of the main things that I, I, I'm i a big believer on, you know. You know, enjoy, enjoy your time while you're here. Well... You definitely enjoyed being an Eskimo, and fans loved watching you. Fred, thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. Enjoy being here again, and enjoy the ceremony tomorrow. Man, thank you guys, man. Thank you for having me. That is Fred Stamps on Inside Sports on 630 Chad Retirement Ceremony tomorrow, halftime, Eskimos, Alouettes, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Quick timeout. It is 620. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Our Brendan Escott is at tonight's hot stove that Ken Holland, Dave Tippett, and Tom Anselmi are having with Oilers season ticket holders at Rogers, Rogers Place. Just following this on uh, Twitter, some of the highlights uh, here. Escott writing, Ken Holland hinting to season ticket holders that trade talks will heat up at the draft. He says they'll look to add a goaltender and scoring depth. 
Brendan also says Holland references Boston and St. Louis and their defensive depth and says that would be a reason to pick a defenseman at eighth overall, followed up by saying they have some serious needs up front as well. And then Dave Tippett echoes Holland in terms of a need for scoring depth, also referenced Boston and St. Louis starting their fourth lines in the cup final. Yeah, the Oilers not deep enough, uh, certainly not uh, good enough at preventing goals, and that uh, falls on both, well, it really falls on everybody, and I think goaltending is still a big question mark for the team as well. We had Fred Stamps in studio, Trent texting into 636.30. I really appreciated Fred Stamps. I would have to say he was the best receiver in the league a bunch of years. Also got a text from Randy who says, what a great interview with a first-class guy in Fred Stamps. He was outstanding. Thanks for having him on. Well, thanks for listening. Great to catch up with... uh, with Fred, who I could just tell talking to him, having him here in studio, sitting across from him, he just really appreciates the, the opportunity he had to live in Edmonton and to and to play in Edmonton, and, and I think a lot of you contributed to that. So that is that is uh, pretty cool. Right at the uh, end of the second quarter, it is Saskatchewan leading Hamilton 13-10 in the first CFL game of the season, the last game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline of the NHL season was played last night. And here's a look back on the Blues' Stanley Cup run. Blues have the puck. Thomas off the wall. Shoots, and it's in. They score! It's the St. Louisan. Pat Maroon just put the city on his shoulders. St. Louis Blues for the first time in 49 years have got it. You can bring out the Zamboni. The Blues will go to the Stanley Cup final. O'Reilly to Gunnarsson. He scores! Tripping penalty. Perron into the circle. Trying to center. They score! David Perron! They put it in front. Another big save by Bennington. Petrangelo, he scores! Alex Petrangelo! Recovered by a charge. on January 3rd. Get up, St. Louis. Get on your feet. Raise them high. Five seconds to go. And the time winds down. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions.
this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. The Raptors will try again tonight to win the NBA championship. Tip off in about half an hour. They're in Oakland to take on the Golden State Warriors. I got to be perfectly honest with you. I, I never liked the nickname Raptors for a team. This was in the 90s, you know, the Jurassic Park movies were out, and I thought, why are they naming the team the Raptors? Like this, you know, so, you know, there's these Raptors in this popular movie, and, and kids like it, but I just always felt that's it's not a good name for a team. And I, I've never really fallen in love with it. Uh, I mean, the short version of it is obviously the Raps, and I'm always like, what's, what's that? What's the Raps? Uh, but... Brian Jesperson, my good friend, who has a show from 9 to noon here every day on 6.30 Chet, had Dr. Steve Brasati on the show, who, long story short, he is a dinosaur expert. And he was telling Jesper, you know, there, there is a team concept here because uh, raptors, oh, those millions of years ago, would always hunt in packs. <laughs> it seems like they probably were. You probably had your Kauai raptors and your Lowry raptors and so on working together. Uh hunting in packs. There actually is fossil evidence that they did live and hunt uh, as small groups, which would have, again, made them yet more terrifying. All right. Well, these versions of the Raptors have been terrifying to the rest of the NBA. Can they win in Oakland again tonight? And we have our global television reporter in Toronto, Mark Carcassol, at Jurassic Park. Mark, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? Great, I'm good. And I just want to add, I never liked the Raptors' name when it first launched here either. My pick was Torontosaurus Rex, but that didn't seem to fly. So. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. Yeah, so you, you wanted the dinosaur name, just a, just a different one. That is funny. Um, so you, are you a Torontonian most, most or all of your life, Mark? Yeah, I've, I've lived here all my life. Uh, born here, grew up here. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing to see this team and how much it's grown over the last 24 hours. And being able to, you know, be at Jurassic Park for all these games and sort of share it with fans, you know, old and new. There's a lot of people here who've been following since 95. There's a lot of people here who quite admittedly are bandwagon jumpers, but everybody's happy. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's excited. It's just a, a tremendous moment in the city, especially a city that's had such a championship drought really since the Jays went back to back. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to ask you something else quickly about the name in all seriousness, and that was a great sure. line you had. But what was it not Huskies that was strongly considered because that was the previous pro team there? Yeah, it was. And they still sometimes wear the Huskies throwback jerseys on special occasions. Uh, but Raptors is the one that won. Uh, you're right, around the hype of the Jurassic Park movie at the time. And that's probably, I believe Toronto T-Rex was one of the finalists. And Toronto Soros Rex was my own spin on it when I was in <laughs> elementary school. Uh, <laughs> But uh, they, went, they ended up going with the Raptors, and now I couldn't picture them being called anything else. Mark, you, you touched on the people rallying around the team, and, you know, like, you live in Toronto. You know how sometimes the rest of the country uh, looks at Toronto, but it's interesting for me <laughs> for, from a sports standpoint because, and look, the Maple Leafs had a lot of fans, but they're also very despised in other parts of the country. Like, I, I would think the average Edmontonian sports fan would not like the Maple Leafs but would like the Blue Jays and is fully on board with the Raptors. I'm wondering your view of the of the rest of the country's emotion towards Toronto teams from, from living there. Yeah, it, it, it is a, a weird thing. I think the Leafs are a special case because they're one of the original six and they've got a bunch of championships and uh, despite the fact that, you know, there hasn't been a Stanley Cup here since 67, a lot of people still like to lord just the sheer amount of championships that they have. 
uh, over other teams who haven't even been in the league as long. But, you know, a team like the Raptors, teams like the Jays, they're still fairly newer, fresher teams. The Raptors uh, specifically, I, I think um, for a lot of people uh, here in Toronto and probably in Canada, you know, there's so many new Canadians now. The Raptors have sort of been the team that many immigrants have gotten behind over the years. Uh, they've just sort of, you know, they kind of reflect the diversity of the of the city and the country. And I think that's why is that they're just so accessible for everyone. You look at kids growing up playing sports. Uh, I grew up playing hockey, uh, but it is a very expensive sport to get your kids into. I was fortunate enough that my parents were able to afford that. Uh, but not every kid can play hockey, but every kid can play basketball. All you need is a ball and a good pair of shoes, not even, right? So I think that it's just sort of a sign of how the country has changed and grown over the years, and, and this team embodies that. A lot of people will say, well, they're also Canada's only team, and that's true as well. Um, but I, I think it's very much that just the country has grown with this team. Mark, tell me a little bit about Jurassic Park today. I just know from following on social media, it doesn't sound like it's been a great weather day in Toronto. Yeah. How are things shaking down? Things seem to be looking good now. Uh, earlier in the day, my cameraman Phil and I got here around 4 o'clock to start interviewing fans and whatnot. And when we got here, it was in the middle of a thunderstorm, uh, some pretty bad lightning, and the lineup, which is usually sort of stretches for a couple blocks to get into Jurassic Park, uh, was empty. And we found out that... Uh, during the time that it took us to get down there, what uh, officials with MLSD had done was given people who were in line bracelets and said, look, go find shelter, go get something to eat, go do whatever you got to do. You got your bracelet now, you got a spot in line, come back later. Uh, so there was talk that perhaps if the rain didn't let up, uh, they would bring people into Scotiabank Arena and let them watch it in there, sort of like what we've seen in St. Louis during the NHL finals over the last couple games. Uh, but the weather held off, and at this point, everyone is... Watching this outside, there's apparently some talk that they might move people inside if the storm comes back because there's a chance of that. I just don't see how they would do that mid-game. I, I, I could picture that being chaos. And, I, and I'll ask just your – I mean, you've obviously been at Jurassic Park for a lot of games. Um, just with people collecting now, is it a different sort of energy, a little more nervous because they didn't close it out at home in Game 5? What can you tell me there? There's still a lot of confidence, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who I talk to who say that, you know, we're fortunate that we've still got two chances to do this. But if they don't get it done tonight, then, yeah, there's obviously a lot of nervousness there because they've had such momentum. And to lose two in a row and have this go to seven, there's worries about momentum. There's worries about anything, a fluke, a missed call on the part of the referees. We know that's happened several times. Uh Anything could go, anything could happen, and it could go either way in Game 7. So everyone just sort of, sort of wants to, you know, play it safe and, and, and lock it down tonight. So while there is still a lot of optimism, a lot of energy, a lot of positivity here, big chant going around is wrapped in six, there is some worry that if it goes to Game 7, you know, again, anything could happen. Hey, Mark, thanks for fitting me in. I know you're busy. You're sounding great. We're going to have to have you on again, man. Thanks for checking in. Thank you. Oh, a little other, other little known fact. My favorite hockey team, despite being a Toronto boy, is the Edmonton Oilers. So go Oilers. Oh, Here's good stuff. Good. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> I'll see ya. Thanks for having me. That is Mark Carcassol checking in from Global Toronto. Well, how about that? He likes the Oilers, even though he's uh, born and raised in Toronto. But he's certainly enjoying the Raptors run, as I know many of you are. Game is coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. And we do have a Jurassic Park in Edmonton this evening at the Expo Centre. The City of Edmonton and the Edmonton Stingers hosting, hosting a watch party for that. Free parking, free admission at the Expo Centre if you want to watch the game as part of a large group. Going to be very fun.
We will go to St. Louis. Man, a lot of championship themes uh, coming up. The play-by-play voice of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber, is standing by to check in after this break. Do you want to do... Uh, we should give something away, Kellen. We haven't given yeah, something let's away. Do that. We're 41 minutes into the show. We have not given anything away. A couple of passes to golf at the ranch. 780-496-0063. Uh... Well, we'll just have the. We'll do a trivia question, Kellen. We won't do it live. You can you can do it with people. It is very easy, but I want to make it at least feel earned. Okay. Golden State has been in the finals five consecutive years. Who did they play the previous four years? What team? Really easy question. Just give Kellen your answer for the passes to golf at the ranch. Coming right back with Chris Kerber from the St. Louis Broadcast Booth. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Trevor Harris ready to make his Eskimos debut on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium tomorrow. Uh, you know, coming in as a as an opposing player, I don't really think too much about the stadium. I just go in and just get in my zone and get ready to play ball. You know, the 110 yards from white line to white line, side to side, is, is all I'm focused on. And uh, here, you know, you just really appreciate the tradition, the history, the, the fans, the, uh, the feel, the vibe, the culture that we've set, and the Eskimo way of just what the way things have been and the standard that has been set from the past and uh, trying to live up to that and doing things to, to raise the bar. And so that's, and I'm just honestly, just grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be a part of this organization, this community, and uh, my family's thankful as well. And so uh, I'm just just really blessed to be here. And head coach Jason Moss on his new starting quarterback. And everything that we've done from day one with him is open. Um, again, we've got three weeks we've been together, so it's we're as good as we can be three weeks into anything. Um, so I feel like we're prepared, we're ready, and ultimately early in, the, in, in a season, and particularly this game, is going to be about adjustments. We're going to have to adjust on the fly to what we see and what we get, and I think a veteran quarterback with an offensive, offensive personnel that's been there, done that, and with some coaches on the sidelines that have been there and done that and, and know what it's like to adjust early, you know, that's what we're going to have to do. Um, but you know, that being said, I feel like Trevor's comfortable in the system right now. I think he's only going to get more comfortable the more reps he takes and the more games that go by, but he's ready to play, in my opinion. Eskimos Alouettes tomorrow on 6.30, Chet, 5.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game will start at 7. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott, Blake Dermott, Brendan Escott, all part of our broadcast team. Brendan Escott currently at the uh, hot stove the Oilers are having with Hall and Tippett and Anselmi at Rogers Place, a hot stove for season ticket holders. Uh, I'm just following Brendan on Twitter, and we're going to get an update from uh, Jack Michaels in the next half hour of the show about some more specifics as well. Uh, Brendan writing, Holland says he loves the challenge of trying to build this team back into a contender. He says he'd like to do what Doug Armstrong did last night one more time. Well, no doubt about it. And the guy who was doing the play-by-play on Comox Radio in St. Louis the play-by-play voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Chris, welcome back to 630 Chet. How are you doing? Doing awesome, Reed. Uh, everything is good here in St. Louis, as you could imagine. Well, yeah, it must be, must be quite a day. You and I have done a lot of these interviews over the last few seasons, but uh, this is going to be a unique one. The day after you call the Stanley Cup final championship game and, of course, the, the Blues winning it. I mean, back in St. Louis, just 
tell me a little bit about being in the city today, the the vibe, and probably a lot of happy fans coming up and talking to you. Uh, the, the vibe is amazing. They've sold out of all of their T-shirts and hats that say Stanley Cup champion, so they're waiting on new shipments to come in. Um, it, it's just really, uh, really a special moment. Uh, the, the city rallied around this team, and once again, sports has pulled the community together, and it's just awesome to be in St. Louis right now. And is Saturday is the big parade in the rally? Saturday is the big parade. The planning was going on today. Going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we have always said that if the St. Louis Blues ever won the Stanley Cup, uh, you may see the biggest parade in this city's history. And I think we're going to hit that. Well, we need, there's a chance of rain. We need a little weather to help us out here on this one. Well, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's a good day, though. I think it's going to be very well attended, regardless of the weather, for sure. Game seven last night, uh, Jordan Bennington, an, an incredible story. I, I think it was fourth on the Blues goalie depth chart at the start of the season. And uh, give me kind of what was going through your mind throughout that first period. Some of the the chances the the Bruins were getting as it went along. I think of the twelve shots on goal. And I'd have to go back and count. So I'm just going off of memory having called it, all right? So, but I, of those 12 shots on goal, at least six had to be grade A spectacular scoring chances that needed a better than good save, if that makes sense. A couple of those are the kind of saves the goalie's not supposed to be able to make. And he was outstanding. He kept his team in and he gave his team a chance to get to it five on five. I said on the NHL network at five o'clock uh, prior to the game, three hours before the game. I said, if this Game 7 stays 5-on-5, five five, the St. Louis Blues are going to have a really good chance. If Game 7 goes special teams, it's going to be a problem. Well, that might have been the best officiated game of the playoffs, and the Blues, Blues proved why they're the best all-around 5-on-5 five five team. They, they were outstanding come the second and third periods. They, they checked harder than any team this season has checked. They were outstanding. Yeah, they were so good at, at keeping pucks alive and, and getting in the way of, of Bruins trying to break out or set up plays. I was really impressed with that. Chris, uh, you know, what's cool from the standpoint of, of hosting a show in northern Alberta is uh, all the Alberta connections on the St. Louis Blues. And let's start behind the bench. Craig Berube took over, and it didn't start great for him as the coach, but obviously it picked up, and they, they had the winning streak and eventually nailed down a playoff spot. How would you describe uh, Berube's impact on the team and and maybe pulling the team out of obviously a a pretty dark place critically important in terms of giving this team a chance to find its level and become successful he took a hard approach he took a direct approach but he took an honest and fair approach and I think it is something that this hockey team truly appreciated. He got guys to look beyond their own selves and the roles that they thought they were supposed to play, and he got them to play for each other as a team in the roles that were needed. And I'm going to go to Alexander Steen, for example. When I say Alexander Steen, I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that anything that a coach asks of him is, 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 is a problem. But Alexander Steen assumed a role down the roster that was needed for this team to be successful. And he, along with Sunquist and Barbashev, may have proven to be the most impactful defensive line in the playoffs of any team that was playing. Uh, he got Vladimir Tarasenko to buy into a 200-foot game of hockey. Uh, things along those kind of lines. Um, the stick work of Colton Pareko, uh, and we can talk about him because we were talking about another Alberta boy. I mean, 
It was just outstanding. Craig, Craig Maruby's approach to, to this team was exactly what he what, what was absolutely needed. He was outstanding. St. Louis Blues play-by-play voice Chris Kerber joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Jay Bomeister, you know, I, I was sitting there late in the game, and I thought to myself, uh, Petrangelo has to give it to Bomeister first. Uh, it's a special moment. A lot of people in Edmonton pulling for Bomeister, and you know, I think Jay's the, the perfect example. A career is a long thing. It's got some highs. It's it's got some lows. He's had to battle through playing on some teams that weren't that good, and obviously battled through some some injuries. But very very good in the postseason. I don't know if there is a prop bet casino in Vegas that would have taken the prop bet of the first four guys to get the puck for the St. Louis Blues, uh, but I would have nailed that superfecta because not only did I think Jay Bullmeister was going to get it second and then hand it off to Steen, the way that this team thinks is even though he didn't play a game in the playoffs, you knew it was Chris Thorburn that was going to be fourth. Um, it's just a tremendously special moment. Jay Bozmeister's played 1,183 games. He had not played a game in the Stanley Cup playoffs until he came to St. Louis. I did an interview years ago with Doug Armstrong, shortly after Jay signed his extension. And Doug told me the story that he talked to Jay and said, look, you, maybe you can go somewhere else. There might even be someplace else that's going to pay you more. But you like it here. It's a good place to raise a family, and you have a chance as we continue to build something to be a part of this building process to a championship, and one day you can become a championship because you played here, or a champion because you played here, and look what happened last night. I think it's a terrific story, and even in, even afterwards when I say congratulations, you know Jay, not a man of many words, but, uh, but an absolute battler, and uh, what a season he had because he was coming back from that hip surgery, Reed, and... And it was hard for him to come back from it. And he found his stride. He got healthy and became an absolute critical piece of this hockey team. All right. You touched on Pareko, and I was lucky enough to have Colton on the show a couple of times throughout the postseason. So I'll just wrap it up with Doug Armstrong, who you mentioned. The the team was doing poorly. There was a lot of talk like, well, who is he going to trade? Is he going to take the team apart and rebuild? How how were you sort of viewing Armstrong's demeanor and approach, uh, you know, through those through those tough times? Doug Armstrong seemed as calm, cool, collected as I've probably ever seen him in his time with St. Louis. I mean, yeah, there were some ups and downs with a face to get really red, and his can, um, you know, but, uh, but through it all, there seemed to be a patience. And I, even, I walked past him in between the second and the third periods, and he was having a conversation with Billy Niemann, who was doing the, the analyst work for Finnish television in the Stanley Cup final. And it just struck me that here's Doug leaning on the wall having a conversation with Billy Neiman like he'd have had a conversation in game number, I don't know, 27 of the regular season outside of the visiting management booth on the road somewhere. And yet he was up 2 nothing going into the third period with a chance to uh, win a first-ever Stanley Cup championship with him as the general manager. And, uh, and, and he just, again, had a column to him. There, there seemed to just be a confidence about him. And I thought Doug Armstrong really handled this season well. And from now, yes, I'm biased on this. And, yes, I also have the ability to, you know, have the four series of the Stanley Cup playoffs behind this. But um, I know Doug Armstrong is up for GM of the year, and without a doubt he should win it. There's some other great candidates. But, my goodness, from the offseason moves he's made to what this team ended up doing, uh, it's hard to imagine you could be any better. 
Chris, I know you've been working hard here on this extended playoff run. Really appreciate that you make time for us today here on 630 Chad in Edmonton and enjoy the celebration over the next few days and hopefully the entire summer in St. Louis. The Blues have earned it. Anytime. Do me a favor. Go over. Have a great uh, meal at the Blue Willow for me, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the, in the winter. Oh, right on, Chris. Appreciate you coming on tonight. As he drops a bit of a Edmonton restaurant reference as he signs on tonight. Chris is always a great guest to have on Inside Sports, and uh, glad he got to call those games for the Blues as they win the Stanley Cup for the first time ever. Sarah McLaughlin, Kellen Kennedy. There's another older woman you could have a crush on. Ah. Not a fan? I think her music kind of puts it off a little bit. I'm not a fan of her music. So. All right, fair enough. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin doing O Canada before the Raptors-Warriors game in Oakland. They are about to tip off. Of course, we will keep you updated. Rob Brown will check in. A little bit from Jack Michaels as well. He's been at the Oilers' season seat holder hot stove with Tippett Holland and Anselmi, so he'll give us some of the highlights from that. We'll let you know what's going on in the CFL game as well between Saskatchewan and Hamilton. A lot more to come inside sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.